Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. How are you now? How are you right now? How am I? Well, I'm glad that I asked. First of all, hello and welcome to another episode, episode two of the Bottom Six Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake, and I am feeling like that was a step forward from the Leafs game. Not going to give you the score, as is the new tradition on the Bottom Six Minutes. Um, I'm going to go through the recap first and then talk about it, but I felt like that was a step forward from the Leafs game. And realistically, it should be. Uh, The the Chicago Blackhawks, you know, they, they won the draft lottery last year, and they did get Connor Bedard, and he is a fantastic player, but that roster overall just... Uh, on paper, you look at that and you go, well, the Habs should probably win this game. They should look like the better team. Uh, do we give a shit if they win? No, we don't. Honestly, wins and losses aren't important this season. It's about looking good. And what I wanted to see was them look like the better team over the Chicago Blackhawks because they should. Early on in this game, um, Bedard, I already mentioned him. He's getting his first taste of action at the Bell Center. He's getting booed immediately by the Bell Center faithful. I don't know what he did. I think they were just trying to get into his head, uh, and it, it wasn't doing a whole lot uh, early on. He was getting some chances. He was looking dangerous, um, but he couldn't get anything through. Uh, they do get into some trouble in that first period with penalties, and uh, a little bit more on that later because I uh, didn't exactly love the way that that went. Shocker, I know. I'm not happy about the officiating. But they had to kill off a five on three. They actually managed to. Somehow, the Chicago Blackhawks power play was actually looking for large swaths of time when they were out there worse than the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, don't worry about that, though, because the Habs would get a power play chance of their own later on after they killed off the five on three. And they remained probably worse. So I think they're still holding the title for the worst um, power play, maybe in the league, certainly in that game. I don't know if that's the kind of title that you want to have, but. Yeah, regardless, uh, it just was not looking very good for them. Um, but the Habs looking like the much better team in that period, which was precisely what I, I went into that game wanting to see. Um, we did have something that could be a little bit problematic happen. Uh, Jared Tenorti hit Kirby Dock into the Blackhawks bench at one point. Uh, not a dirty hit. There's nothing wrong with it as far as I could tell, but Kirby Dock got up from that mm, looking a little worse for wear, and he would end up leaving the game and not coming back. Your score zero zero at the end of one and the Habs now down a forward, but they somehow managed to look even better going into the second period. Very early in the second, Cole Caulfield takes an entry pass uh, from Josh Anderson after going over the line, absolutely walks Kevin Korchinski, dangles him out of his fucking jock, goes in, backhand, somehow gets that thing through Peter Morazic. I don't know if it bounced back to him and he took a second whack at it in the air or what, Uh, I couldn't really tell. They didn't give a great angle on it, but somehow he puts that in. What a beautiful goal. Just an absolutely nasty dangle to make Korchinski look like a a peewee AAA defender at best. And the Habs are up 1-0. Little later, Tanner Pearson 
He gets the puck this time after his own entry and just lets loose an insane wrist shot. Top Ched. 2-0 for the Montreal Canadiens. Late in the period now. We're late. It's uh, a ridiculous call on David Savard. Uh, I mean, he's coming down on defense, and he goes stick on stick, and they call him for slashing, which they would do again later in the game as well. Just absolutely absurd calls coming from the officials in this game. Um, But anyways, the Hawks' power play is absolutely trash. It might be worse than the Habs. Connor Bedard takes a shot. He misses. Puck goes off the glass, goes around. Bump from Gallagher. I think it was Gallagher anyways. Up to Sean Monaghan. In alone in the middle of the ice, he goes in. Goes forehand, top Ched as well, just like Tanner Pearson. And it's 3-0 for the Habs. That's your score at the end of two periods. We go into the third, and the Habs, they're starting to coast at this point, which is not ideal. That's not what I wanted to see. But we're also still seeing bullshit calls from the officials. Um, We actually had a 4-on-4 early on in the period. That one, I'm not going to complain about the officials for because there was a whole scrum between Arbor Jackye and Corey Perry at the end of the first period. Uh, Jackye actually ended up giving him a gloved left hook to the chin that knocked him down. I think Corey Perry was diving around trying to get a call there, but the ref called both. We went to a 4-on-4, and that was still trickling into the third period. Um, There was just a lucky bounce on that one. It was a dump in, and it went off Caden Gooley's both of his skates and somehow kicked out to Tyler Johnson streaking in, and he just puts it past Samuel Montembeau, and it's 3-1. to Habs still, when they were at 5-on-5 in this period, Clearly the better team. They're getting chances. Uh, Peter Morazic's doing pretty well in net for them. Um, Habs also missing the net a little bit more than I'd like to see. They're clearly the better team. They should win this game. And, of course, like clockwork, they got to make it a little bit harder on themselves. Late in the game, they pull Morazic, about three minutes left on the clock, to get the extra skater. And, um, of course, there's a mad scramble in front. Every single hab is just kind of staring at the ice nervously. And Tyler Johnson, again, this time at the side of the net, he jumps on it, puts it through, and makes it 3-2. to two. And Mrazek comes back out. They end up actually getting a power play. I can't complain about this power play because Connor Bedard was high-sticked and he was bleeding, so it was a four-minute call. If Chicago can score in the final 21 seconds of the period with a six-on-four power play, because obviously they're going to pull Mrazek again, uh, they would actually go into overtime with a power play as well. But 21 seconds on the clock, they are unable to do anything with it, and your Montreal Canadiens take their first win of the season by a score of 3-2 to two over Chicago. Um, look, the, the first thing I want to talk about here is the officiating. I don't want to go through every single call, and I'm not going to. All right, That would be a little bit ridiculous. I just want to give you a couple of stats here. So the Habs had 20 penalty minutes to Chicago's 8, more than double. All right? Possession-wise, it was like 70-30 in Montreal's favor for the first two periods. Dwindled off a little bit uh, at the end there because, like I said, they were kind of coasting in the third period, so that's on them. But even at that point, even after two periods, with 70-30 possession in favor of Montreal, Chicago had double the amount of penalties, even at that point. It remained double by the end of the game. There's no fucking way. There's just no way that you actually deserved to have double the power play time when you possess the puck 30% of the fucking time. It's not possible. Either the Habs are just the least disciplined team on the planet or these refs were eh, a little suspect. I'm not trying to sit here and claim bias. I'm just pointing something out here. The Habs had the puck on their stick way more often than not at 5-on-5. And somehow, somehow they're the only team getting called for anything. And I do want to point out, I said I'm not going to go through all the calls, but a lot of them were stick-on-stick quote-unquote slashes. 
They had one on David Savar, uh, and then they had another one. Who, who was the other one? Um, I th- it was Mike Matheson. That's who it was. We're talking like it's not illegal to slash the stick. The only time that it should be a penalty is really, in my opinion, is when the stick breaks. Um, but by the rules, I guess they also call it a lot when the guy drops the stick, um, which is bullshit. You shouldn't be getting a penalty because the other guy can't hold onto his stick. You're allowed to go stick on stick. That's a legitimate defensive tactic that is taught at all levels of hockey to go stick on stick to disrupt the guy who's carrying the puck. I can't believe that they're making these calls. Apparently what they want everybody to do is just stop going stick on stick altogether. If that's the standard, then I guess we're never going to see five on five hockey again. And I thought that's how the game is. I thought penalties were supposed to be, you know, when rules are broken, not we're just going to live at four or at five on four or at four on four or whatever all day long. I don't know. Didn't like it. Want the league to maybe take a look at that and say, hey, yeah, let's chill out a little bit. And I don't know what they were trying to do. Were they trying to get extra power plays to get Connor Bedard on the board? Mm, maybe. Maybe. I would not put. I would not put it past the league to instruct the refs to try and be like, hey, this is our next superstar. We need you guys to make sure that uh, he has a good year. We want him to win the caller. I don't know. I'm just throwing something out there. Let's not turn this into a conspiracy theory rant. I wanted to get the negative part there about the officials out of the way because there was a lot of positive in that game. And your player of the game certainly was a positive piece. Uh, I have to go with Cole Caulfield. I I have to. Uh, He was incredible in that game. He's dangerous. He's creating opportunities. He could have had, uh, by my count, I think he had four or five high danger scoring chances and I think if you if you consider a shooter like him capable of converting on at least half of their high danger scoring chances you could have been talking about you know a three goal game there you could have been easily talking about a hat trick and you know he only gets the one but you know that's that's through no fault of his own he played a fantastic game um you can't ask any more from him and he's on pace at this point through two games for 82 goals is he gonna hit 82 I sincerely doubt it but I would not be surprised if the target this year in his mind and in most of the fans' minds is actually 50. We keep talking about, is he going to be the next guy to get to 40 goals for the Habs? And he was certainly on pace for it last year. But he was on pace for 46. Don't you forget, when he got hurt, pace was 46. That's not that far away from 50. If he keeps playing like this, I don't think 50 is out of the question. Um and man, would that be something for Montreal Canadiens fan? We haven't seen a 40-goal scorer since Vincent Dalfus. We get a 50-goal scorer all of a sudden. I, th- I think it's it's high time for everybody to start celebrating. Not like we won the Cup. Not like we won the Cup. Just we get to celebrate a little bit that we finally got you know a legitimate goal scorer. And uh, Cole Caulfield, man, he is certainly one of those. A very close second for player of the game could have been Sean Monaghan. Uh, he had two points out there. Obviously, big goal, uh, shorthanded. Yeah, no, his, his was a shorthanded goal. Big goal shorthanded, and he had an apple as well. Uh, so he was a massive player for the Habs in that game, especially after Kirby Doc went down. He had to play more minutes than I think they would normally have reserved for him. So stepped up in a big way uh, easily. I think, you know, depending on who you ask, they, they might say that he was the player of the game for the Habs in that one. Um, great game from him. I still don't know what the future holds for him. I don't know if they're going to try to trade him at the deadline. Uh, more games like that and staying healthy would certainly go a long way to getting him an opportunity with a contender at the deadline. Um, and wouldn't it be something if the Habs get another first-round pick out of a guy that they already got a first just for being willing to take over his contract? Um, look, it's uh, 
it's it's early. It's still very early in the season, but he's playing extremely well. And uh, you know, if teams are keeping tabs on him, um, all he's really got to do is stay healthy and keep playing exactly like that. Uh, he's got a lot of value. I think he'd look great on a contending team. Uh, versatility can play at the wing for you. Can play center. Uh, kills penalties. Like there's there's a, there's a lot to like there. And frankly, if you're the Habs, there's there's a lot to like there because when he's on the ice. Uh, the defensive responsibility really shines through. He makes a lot of good plays. He gets the puck going up ice. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, he's a coach's dream, right? Coach's dream with how versatile he is out there. So, great game from him. Easily could have been player of the game. Got other performances we got to go over as well. I thought Samuel Montembeau was quite good in net. Um, not a whole lot to talk about for him there because, really, like he only had to get busy on some of the power plays. And even then, Chicago's power play, pretty fucking bad. So, he wasn't super busy on those. Um, but I thought he was good. Um, I thought if, if we're looking at the two games so far, I know Allen got the tougher outing for sure by a sight. Um, but just general composure in the net and everything, I would say Montembeau is the 1A. I think everybody probably agrees on that at this point. He should get some of the tougher games moving forward um, instead of Jake Allen. And uh, again, who knows what the future holds there? Are they going to try to trade one of them uh Caden Primo is just kind of sitting there not playing right now enjoying the press box hot dogs so uh they got to figure something out and they got to figure it out pretty soon I guess um but let's not talk about the goaltending problems uh let's talk about a couple more uh really nice performances before we wrap this up uh I really really enjoyed Uri Slavkovsky again um his second great game in a row so far to start this season he looks like a different player he's making plays that he wasn't making before his passes are crisp they're tape to tape he's showing confidence he's going into corners at one point he went in and he snowed peter Morazic, and then he just kind of looked at the two defensemen turned around and dipped out of there i was like great he's not he's not taking penalties but he's, he's charging in there he's really he's trying to make things happen and last year he looked a lot more tentative and uh obviously he had problems with keeping his head up and getting hit a lot and that led to some of the injuries. Uh, but this year, we're not seeing that. He's got his head on a swivel. He's he's going into dirty areas, and he's not afraid to do it. And uh, again, he's making plays that we were not seeing from him last year. Um, I really think he has taken a big step forward, and I think that's probably some of the best news that we're going to get as Montreal Canadiens fans this season. Um, more of that from him. Also, really loved uh, Alex Newhook's game. Um He's an interesting player, man. Like he's got, he seems to have more speed than I thought he did. I know a lot of people were talking about how he's a really good forechecker, and you know when you look at the statistics, they, they don't really back that up that he's an incredible forechecker. But um, he's capable uh, on the forecheck, and and really he he uses his speed as a weapon. Like when he's coming over the line, um, he turns pucks over. He has really good stick work, active stick, um, jumps on passes, uh, takes smart routes, and he can read and cut off passes that the other teams making. Just an intelligent player with some speed. Um, I, I really like the way that he's coming along so far for the Habs. I think that, you know, they, they may have found in themselves another gem, uh, a la Kirby Doc. Of course, again, that reminds me that Kirby Doc had left the game injured, and we don't know what's going on with that as of now. But look, uh, these acquisitions that Kent Hughes is making, are they're making him look pretty damn smart. Pretty damn smart because he's picking up players that are maybe undervalued by their existing teams. Uh, they're still young, so they still have a lot of racetrack left to develop. And then we're seeing that development. And obviously, th- this strategy is maybe something that he's going to stick with throughout the through to the end of the rebuild because you know you're getting players that are closer to being ready, or if they're not already in the NHL, they're they're closer to being in the NHL. Um, and so far, the the returns are great. So love it. Want to see more of it. Who else can we talk about? 
Um, there was not really anybody who had a bad game in that one. Um, it, it's it's tough to really complain about anyone. Again, they were out-possessing the Blackhawks like 70-30 through two periods. The only way that the Blackhawks got back into this game was um, the, the fact that the Habs were in the box constantly. Because if they if the penalties were even through two periods, I really think it would have been like 5-6-1 by the time they pulled their goalie. So I don't think they would have had much of a shot at coming back. And um, the other thing was the Habs kind of taking their foot off the gas in the third period. So um, I guess I should mention Arbor Jack, I really liked his game. He mixed it up with Corey Perry and gave him that gloved punch. Uh, fantastic. You know, the pests on the other team, he's, he's not the one you want to trifle with. And uh, Corey Perry tried it and well, he ate a shot for his troubles. So that's what you get. Caden uh, Gooley was masterful on the blue line. Uh, he was excellent. He actually had a sequence at one point where he was down low in the zone with Connor Bedard, and Connor Bedard spinning around trying to get loose from him, and then Gooley ended up just planting him into the boards. Um, didn't knock him down or anything, but you know he just pinned him up there and then took the puck. So what, what's the point of hitting, right? The, the whole object of hitting is to separate your opponent from the puck. He did precisely that, and he did it against one of the most exciting young players in the world right now. So Caden um, Gooley. Everybody, get excited about that guy as a top pair defenseman because he is coming. Um, pause. <laughs> Jesse Ilinen uh, played a very good game as well. Really enjoyed him. Um, Rafael Harvey-Pinard almost scored a shorthanded goal of his own at one point. Uh, just barely got a piece of it, did Peter Mrazek, uh, on his shoulder. So, you know, this guy that really has earned his way up through the ranks in the Montreal Canadiens uh, organization and uh, he's starting to make good now um, as a member of the team um, I, I don't see him going down I don't see him going down um, I mean right now especially because we don't know what's going on with Doc they might actually have to call up a forward I know exactly who I'm going to tell you that they should call up it's Joshua Hua who already has two goals and an assist in his first two games with the Rocket but that's besides the point um, it's it, it's it's going to take an act of God, I think, to get Jesse Elinen out of this lineup right now. He's playing too well uh, for them to just say, well, we're going to send you back down and put you on waivers because anybody who's watching the Montreal Canadiens right now uh, around the league, he's getting picked up on waivers, 100%. If they put him on waivers, he's he's gone. He's going to be on another team the next day. There's nothing you can do about it. So uh, they're going to hang on to him, and uh, I think maybe even with the dock injury, he might get a chance to get bumped up in the lineup, and we'll see what he can do um, a little bit higher up. I don't know. Um, who else? Like I said, nobody had a bad game. Really, nobody had a bad game. Tanner Pearson had a great game. Great shot to get a goal for them. Um, I, I like Nick Suzuki in that game. Nick Suzuki was quiet, but he was very effective. Um, the, the only thing I guess I didn't like, and, and again, I'll say it one more time, is I don't love Josh Anderson on that top line. It's not that Josh Anderson played a bad game. He was perfectly fine. It's just I don't think it's ideal. It's not the ideal configuration. That was the only line on the team that kind of left something to be desired for me uh, on the night. And again, not that they were bad, not at all, just that they weren't as good as I think they could be. And I think if you flip, you know, Harvey Pinag onto that line and you knock Anderson somewhere else in the lineup, I think you could have other lines be just as effective with Anderson on them, but I think Suzuki and Coffey will be more effective with somebody else. So just an opinion. Don't shoot me for it. Uh, again, I don't think anybody played bad. That was a great game. And a great first win for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I'm going to cut it off there. Nothing but positive things. Um, and I will send positive vibes at this point to Kirby Doc. I really hope he's all right. He's been playing inspired hockey since the start of the season. Uh, when he was on the ice, at this, obviously didn't get very much ice time in this game. But when he was on the ice, the Habs controlled 100% of the shot attempts at 5-on-5. Five five. So he probably would have torched 
his old team. If he was out there, again, like I said, and also maybe if they got a little bit more luck from the officials, um, I think that if he was out there with the extra luck from the officials, I think they're probably winning that game 6-1, to one, six, maybe even 7-1 to one by the time the goalie comes out. So it wouldn't have been close at the end. So despite the score, 3-2 to two being close, don't take that as a close game. The Habs were the far better team, and they earned that win, and uh, it's on to the next one. So what are we running? Almost 20 minutes. So c'est gros soirée pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter. Drop me a follow at DrakeMT. I would appreciate that very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course, à la prochaine. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.